Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 28. <gasps> we're almost at the big 3-0, but not quite. Just far enough off to still say that we're in the 20s. We're cool. Uh, as someone that recently turned 28, I very much experience a kind of, uh, you know, companionship with this particular episode of the podcast. Anyway, I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker. And this week I'm joined by two of the team. I'm joined by Alex Lolies from the video team. Hello, Lolies. How are you today? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> We're making this a musical episode, we said, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But only for you, it seems. I've already ruined it. I'm just doing spoken word. Oh, okay. Oh, I like it. I like it. A different take. Let's, let's, let's. I want to see what, what uh, way Mian's going to go. Is she going to go classical? Is she going to go uh, musicals? Is she going to do um, 80s rap? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, Mean, you've been set up here. I was going to intro you as usual, but Loli just threw immediately over to you. <laughs> This is what people tune in for, is an hour and a half of us giggling at our own silly jokes. I mean, to be fair, it's not far off that. Uh, King of Tokyo (laughs) is an alright game, I guess. There you go. Did I ever tell you you're my king of Tokyo? I tried desperately to fit like seven syllables into the space of two. Um, that's right. I was always more a fan of the ping pong song. Uh, we are, of course, here not for musical reasons, uh, as I think the last two minutes have proved, but to talk about the latest board games. And I'm sorry, uh, the latest board games and tabletop RPGs, as we do every week. Uh, so let's dive in with a who knows if it will be musical. Let's dive in and see Lolis. What have you been playing this week? The same thing I play every week, Pinky. <laughs> Try to take over. Oh no, hold on. Uh, board games. Uh, actually, the same thing I've been playing every week, which is Star Realms. And um, it's not technically a board game, but I am going to say Among Us anyway, because it's it's practically a board game. So, I mean, you know. yeah, no, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's not. I, I, know I can see where not, you're coming from. But I, I'm saying this because um, one of my all time favorite games is Secret Hitler and it's very much unlike werewolf and those kind of games. It's very much a game you need to be in the same room to play because of 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 mechanics in the game. Um, and my group obviously hasn't been able to get together for like almost a year to play, but that group is now playing Among Us, which is great because we're getting that experience and you know the backstabbery, the lies, all of that good stuff. But you know that we would get it from Secret Hitler, but we're getting it in a, in a video game format. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like it is a board game because it it it's it's replacing a hole that's being you know it's it's filling a hole that's been put there by a lack of board game. Mm. Um. Also, play Dinosaur World. Uh, I would go say, Lolis, quickly. Your explanation <laughs> there sounded like me in one of my seminars back at uni. When I hadn't read the book, 
<laughs> where I was just like, yeah, there's themes in it of class. <laughs> and the, the lecturers just sat there and they know. They know I've not read it, but <laughs> they can't I, prove it. <laughs> for any of you who are watching the video format of this, there's a copy of, of Seven Wonders behind me that I've been meaning to play. And I've said it on, I think, two separate <laughs> podcasts that I was going to play it. I still haven't played it. Have I've played it homework, like, lowly. <laughs> I haven't played it in my I've played it in my life, but I have I've been meaning to play it the last couple of weekends and I haven't got around to it. I really want to. It's still on it's still on my list. But what I've actually been playing is Star Realms, Among Us, which is definitely a board game, and Dinosaur World. <laughs> <laughs> I think like as soon as you say something on the podcast, it's one of those things where it's doomed not to happen it happens with videos as well where we're like yeah this video is going up this weekend and then due to technical issues or whatever it may be it doesn't surface for another two weeks it's just yeah. podcast but we cursed <laughs> oh, we we all played dinosaur world didn't we We did we did uh, no you can't that's da, 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 now we're gonna get sued by by the they, t-rex they can't prove it it was good, although we didn't get to finish the game. But no. I, I enjoyed it. Like, the bit that we played, I enjoyed so much that I would like to, to play it again and have a whole game of it. Yeah, so for anyone listening who hasn't seen the video already, we did a, a preview of Dinosaur World, which I think is still on Kickstarter as of this going up, um, which is the follow-up to Dinosaur Island, uh, which, of course, is completely different to Jurassic Park. But is mm. there are, let's say, there are very similar things behind Jurassic Park and Dinosaur yeah. Island and that you are running dinosaurs. a dinosaur park <laughs> on an island. There, it doesn't have Dennis Nedry, so it's not the same. And people get eaten. I learned people that. People do get eaten, yeah. Yeah, they do. And if, if you're lowlies, that's a that's just a business factor. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, you know. I was trying to get the biggest, do. baddest dinosaurs so that oh. people would would... You know, get a good show, but also the dinosaurs would get a good meal. <laughs> it's like a biker gang bar. Like the we got the biggest, baddest dinosaurs in here. Come visit. Don't worry. It's just a velociraptor in a leather jacket, <laughs> riding motorbike. Yeah, it's. Oh. So it was. I think no, nobody else had played Dinosaur Island, right? I have. No. Oh, you Go have ahead. played Dinosaur Island. Yeah, we've discussed this in the past. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was it was it's very similar to that. So it was kind of interesting to see I think Johnny hadn't played either. So Lonely's no, and Johnny think. coming in from from having never played Island, because it's mm. it's similar but it definitely kind of pushes things in a slightly different direction. Like the the general like, oh you're building up a park, you want to get dinosaurs, you need to manage the threat level of your dinosaurs against the security of your park. That's all kind of in the first game. But here it was more of a, a, you need to think about how you're going to take people on a tour through your park and how you lay out these tiles. And, oh, which do I you not have tours? Cool. No, no, no. Yeah. So in the first one, you just build paddocks and put dinosaurs in them. Mm. And they just kind of automatically make uh, like tour, like popularity. Yeah, because the tourist thing was tough. Like I realized very early on that I'd placed my tiles very badly. And I wasn't really, like I had two gigantosauruses that nobody ever saw in the entirety of the game because they were nowhere near like near anything else and I used to go to the other spaces so it was oh. it was sad times for them because they were just there 
not doing anything and yeah. not getting to eat people. Yeah, they weren't getting a decent meal. Yeah, and then I had one lonely other dinosaur who was also big, but he was he was getting all the attention and people were getting bored and I felt bad because, you know, it was unnecessary. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that it felt like... in Now, uh, disclaimer, I've not played Dinosaur uh, <laughs> Island in quite a while. I think I actually played it like when it came out. It was pretty soon after it, it had come out. Um... And uh, from what I remember, it feels like Dinosaur World had a lot more aspects to do with the park, especially, than than in Ireland. So, like, it felt like in Ireland the main purpose was to just create as many dinosaurs as you could and get those in those paddocks and then earn points from that. Whereas Dinosaur World felt more like you have the dinosaurs, you make them, but also you've got this this whole park that you need to arrange properly and so that you know you can maximize tours and like they they had the different kind of amenities and like the other buildings you could put into your park to kind of combo with other things so um yeah it felt like it was leaning more into the park management aspect of the game than the previous one and in some ways it was more complicated but also more streamlined and yeah i enjoyed it like i again i can't remember dinosaur um island enough to kind of really compare it in terms of quality but it was fun we made loads of references to jurassic park um yeah uh, we were making fun of our parks <laughs> yeah we were yeah <laughs> yeah i was getting slammed by certain people well Called... you just had tiny dinosaurs well you know <laughs> size and everything like you, you, just because it's small doesn't mean it can't impress matt jarvis what did you Hello. think yeah i thought kind of similar to what you were saying i think i liked the so one of the big changes is kind of having to manage your workers a little bit more where it's like oh you can use them in the first round to add paddocks and build attractions and things like that but if you don't keep enough for the second round you can't actually operate your park and get money and improve security and things like that so it was i thought that was like an interesting kind of addition that made it different to island i don't know if having played both i've I played a lot of dinosaur island because i really really like it but I don't know if this is... It's different, but I'm not sure if it's different enough where I'd rush out and buy it, mm. even though I really like the first game, because mm. it kind of scratches the same itch in a lot of ways. It's yeah. like, there are there are new gameplay things in there, but that first game is still really good. Like, it, you still get that fun factor of, I'm putting all these dinosaurs in cages and hopefully they don't eat too many people. But if you didn't <laughs> so... own either, with having like, knowing both of them now, which one would you go for? Yeah, I I think maybe maybe if people were completely new to the series, maybe I would go for Dinosaur World. I think because there is the first game, although it's got a good theme and I really like the look of it, it's a little bit drier maybe, whereas this one has more of that kind of feeling yeah. of managing the park, like Mian was saying, like kind mm. of down to 
how many workers do I use right now? You know, how do I take this tour through mm. the park? You get yeah. to lay it out a little bit more. You're just a little bit more invested. Whereas the mm. first one is a lot of like, okay, I'm getting this DNA. I'm just placing my workers to get this DNA. I'm churning out dinosaurs as quick yeah. as I can go. Yeah. You're just a little bit more detached. It's like a, a slightly colder, um, almost like numbers management game where there's mm. a, just a little bit more flexibility here, I think. Yeah. It kind of almost sounds like this is not an expansion, but this is like they fixed the first game and just decided to like bring it out as a different game. It's. I think it's different. It is very different like it's different in the hex tiles and the layout of the park stuff um i think it just has a lot of similar ideas at its heart mm. where you couldn't play one after the other i don't think because they would feel samey enough even though like the there are different elements in there so mm. but i think if you've if you've not played either like either is a really good place to start um mm. there's also the two-player one dualasaur island which is okay oh, don't that name yeah, it's a it's a real real mouthy kind of. We, we thought this was very very clever when we came up with it, um, um, and also, it, it's it's fine. But. They've also got a run right now called Roar and Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should make um they should make a one player version and call it Dinosolo. <laughs> Dinosolo. Dinosolo Island. Mm. Yeah, n- none of us have played the. That's for free. Rolling right. Um, <laughs> oh, that's for free, is it? <laughs> yeah. You're not going to pursue <laughs> coffee, right? Are you? <laughs> well, actually, yeah. Give, you can give me a cut. That's fine. <laughs> All right. And sorry, not for free anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't played Roaring Right, but I like. I do. I do actually. That name I do enjoy. I think it's cute. Yeah. Hmm. I'm kind of intrigued because there was Welcome to Dino... Oh, Welcome to Dino something? Welcome to Dino Park? I don't know. There was a, a different Roll and Write um, from Alley Cat Games last year or the year before that is uh, obviously not part of the Dinosaur Island series, but mm. is a Roll and Write about filling a park with dinosaurs. So it would be kind of interesting to see whether, it, again, it just scratches that same itch. Because Welcome to Dino World or Welcome to Dino whatever it was. I'm going to have to look it up now. Um, but it was it was really good. It was like a slightly heavier roll and write, um, but it also had a lot of the same kind of like, oh, I'm running this park uh, hmm. stuff. So I feel like at the moment with this conversation, we're like stuck in that era of the 90s where like everyone was obsessed with dinosaurs. You know, when like a Jurassic Park came out and then a billion other dinosaur movies also came out around the same time mm. and then everything was related to dinosaurs and they were really cool. I feel like we're in that time zone at the moment. See, I'm yeah. really annoyed because I, when I was picking out what to wear to this podcast I almost wore my dinosaur t-shirt <laughs> and I'm really annoyed I didn't wear it now. Uh, I've just looked it up, by the way. That the Alley Cat Roll and Write is called Welcome to Dino World, which is probably why I was getting confused because there's now Dinosaur World Welcome to Dino World, and then a Dinosaur Island Roar and Write, mm. and yeah, uh, they all just blend. They all blend together at some point. Mm, they're all dinosaurs. Dinos, uh, isn't it? Well, apart from pterodactyls, which are not dinosaurs, apparently. Uh, I'm going to bring out a the game. YouTube comments were quick to point out. I'm going to bring out a game about dinosaurs and just call it Dinosaurs in it. Dinosaurs yep. in it, and dinosaurs in it are in it. dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good pun. It's just a dinosaur stacking game. That's all it is. And it's just a box of dinosaurs. 
in different positions <laughs> and like stuff and it's called dinosaurs in it sure again is that right. for free or will people have to pay for that one <laughs> Well, I mean, they're gonna have to buy the game off me, so. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're making this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so okay. So this right. one you're keeping to yourself. It'll, yeah. It'll be on Kickstarter soon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to preview that one. <laughs> All right, Lolies, is that everything you've been playing this week? I mean, nothing. Yes. <laughs> well, you, I don't know, Star Realms, Dinosaur World. Like you've been, you've been playing some bits. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. Uh, Mian, have you been playing anything other than Dinosaur World? Don't look at me, teacher. <laughs> I'm a sat at the back <laughs> of the class. <laughs> Next um, to the heater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With those glasses on that, the eyes drawn on. <laughs> take a little nap. Um, uh, other than Dinosaur World and a lot of Escape the Dark Sector, no. Uh, essentially, uh, for the upcoming review... Uh, of Escape the Dark Sector. I've just been playing that a lot. So, um, yes. Escape the Dark Sector, which I spoke about last week with you, Mr. Jarvis. Yeah, it sounds sounds like it's pretty good if you enjoyed that first game. Yeah, if you like Escape the Dark Castle, you'll probably like Escape the Dark Sector. Uh, and if you've not played the first one, if you like kind of kooky horror games that are pretty simple, that have good atmosphere, then you'll probably like this one. But you'll have to find out more in my review. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and not to invoke the podcast curse again, but by the time this podcast goes up, there should be a video of the team playing it because we yeah. plan to stream it later this week, which immediately means that it's all going to fall through. Uh, yeah. and tabletop simulator is going to be down or something like that. But yeah. we, we will be attempting to play it. Not uh, which only I'm looking have you... To invoked the podcast curse it's also the spooky month so true the spookiest yeah. of months the spooky that's month. that's when the pod curse actually takes a break oh <laughs> yeah it, it only had the because i mean like i mean it's very cliche isn't it to like be a curse it in a spooky month so I the mean, curse I... only operates outside of that this true one month. yeah I wouldn't know I'm not a curse the last like... time I checked, but <laughs> I, are you in like conversation with the podcast curse, Lolis? Are you in sort of... No, I've, I've just read speaking books. I've read books, man. Are you in negotiations <laughs> with it? You asked it to take a month off. I'm, I'm the PR manager, yeah. I've told, <laughs> I've told them, I've told them, look... Do you want to be a cliche? No, yeah. then you're gonna to have to take a month off. I'm afraid. It's a, it's not a good look. The optics are very, uh, are bad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's all I've really been playing. Um, I've been uh, quite busy this week with basically just playing Escape the Dark Sector over and over again. He, here's a little insight behind the curtain into the life of uh, tabletop games writing person. There you go. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I thought, thought it was, was more. Yeah, I was yeah. waiting for the other half of that <laughs> sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what like, yeah. me? Per okay, tabletop personality, tabletop gaming star. Star. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Endorse endorsement. I don't know why I'm saying that. She's words now. <laughs> Just, uh, Just buzzwords. Okay. I tell you what I've been playing. Speaking of words, to neatly segue out of this, uh, whatever that was, um, I've been playing a game called Master Word. Um, hey! 
Sorry, because the yeah. word thing. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Um, which is kind of like, I think on a few podcasts back, me and you were chatting about Mastermind, the old 70s game. Yeah, um, where you have like a code of like colored beads, um, so they're multi multicolored. It's the same, but with words. Basically, yeah. So it's from the um, from the studio that made Decrypto, uh, and Ooh. and Stay Cool, I think. Um, which there is a a video of Loli's, uh, me and Will's playing, uh, which was hectic. Um, it's such a good game. But uh, Decrypto was like a really kind of brain burny uh i guess like puzzle solving game in some ways mm. where you ha- had words that related to numbers and then you were trying to give clues to get people to guess like a numbered code but um master word is really simple so one person has an answer so there are 300 different words in the box but you can just pick one if you really oh my god that's like it. all of the words almost <laughs> all of them. Like all of yeah. the words. Well, yeah. I, I will say that they are, so they're not just like single words. They can be like more kind of out there. And some of them are like not the kind of thing you would expect from a normal word game. So there's things like, okay, the Colosseum or there's Pikachu. And then there's like Pearl Harbor and 9-11, which is like a really odd, we found, we were kind of like taken aback because it, they're not the kind of things you normally find in like a, a party game yeah. as answers um but i think here they i mean people will go either way like they you know on how suitable they are for their particular group but there's there's 300 different words in there um and the idea is that you you have this answer you give a hint so it might be event or film or character or whatever it may be and then the group gets to guess um using these kind of like little whiteboard cards so you write down a a kind of idea so it doesn't have to be a single word it can be you know weighs more than a hundred kilograms something like that or is something that we have eaten wherever it may be and the guessers put these cards down in a row and then the person with the answer has to put tokens at the side that indicate how many of those guesses are in the right kind of area, but you don't know the exact ones that are right. So you might go like, oh, f- like three of these four um, like things relate to the answer, but we don't know mm-hmm. exactly which one. So the next round, you might decide to, you know, kind of funnel yourself in on the right kind of place. But if you ever write the correct answer you lose so what you have are free solution cards and you can use those to make a specific guess at what you think the answer is so you have to write it on one of those in order to win but it's basically you get up to seven rounds um, and depending on how fast you manage to solve it there's like a, a general kind of score thing but the idea is that everyone's working together to to work out the answer and it was really fun like i it's very simple it is essentially the 70s game mastermind but with words <laughs> A uh, very important question, Matt Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Does the front cover of the box have a man, a weird-looking man sat there, and a woman just sort of hovering around him? It does not. Uh, I will actually say that I really like the way that the the game looks, even though it's really simple and most of the components are just blank, kind of wipeable boards. Um, it has, like, this red and white colour scheme, and it has, like, a picture of a fox on the front that's, like... Oh. 
very kind of reminiscent of early kind of Disney or um, I'm trying to think of the animator like 1940s I think animator that basically if you play the video game Cuphead that kind of design uh, like very stark kind of cartoon like Chuck Jones uh, I can't remember I won't pretend that I know um, and like basically the tokens are little thumbs ups uh, and that's about the extent of the look of it, but it's quite clean. It's very simple. But I had a really good time with it. We actually managed to... So the player count is three to six, I think. But we were playing with just two people. Um, because you can discuss openly, so there's no reason why you can't just have one person like use four guest cards and one person have the answer. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's good. It's It seems simple. I'm kind of looking forward to playing it with a bigger group, which I hope to do tonight. So by the time this podcast goes up, I should have played with more people mm. um, to see kind of how it scales. But it's it's so simple that it's kind of like one of those games I can see myself just coming back to every now and then. Mm. Um, and even playing with like my family, I think it's like it's easy enough to teach them uh, and it will, it will hold the attention. Uh, Is that which, a new game? Yeah, I think it's it's maybe not out yet. It's coming out. Yeah. Um, mm, Matt Jarvis with the hot scoops. Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying it. Who's uh, the board game superstar now, Ian? <laughs> Matt's the one it's, getting the the exclusives over here. It's not a competition. <laughs> trying to stir the pot, ladies. I never no, said it's... there couldn't be more than one superstar. This is a Mario party, you know. Like we can all be superstars. All right, anyway, shall we move on to news? <laughs> <laughs> like infighting in the Dicebreaker team. I'm not dying anyway, mate. I will fight you for the title. <laughs> I, I, oh, gosh. Well, we sorry, everyone. to be the star. I can't, I can't. Sorry, Matt, I can't write this article anymore. I've got to fight lowlies. <laughs> the position of superstar. We're going to resurrect Spinebreaker. Yeah, for sure. You'd have to resurrect me after that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to news. Uh, it's a bit uh, an interesting week, they say. It's kind of a, <laughs> a spread all over the all over the place. It's been kind of a mix of quiet stuff and then interesting announcements. Um, and we'll open with this one. There is a Power Rangers RPG coming, and not just a Power Rangers RPG, but also a GI Joe, Transformers, and My Little Pony RPG. Not all combined together. Uh, separate RPGs mm. uh, and they are coming Ooh. from Renegade Game Studios uh, which made the Power Rangers Hero of the Grid board game uh, which did quite well on Kickstarter mm. uh, but they basically announced that they are making all of all of these kind of TV show nostalgic kind of licenses into RPGs based on D&D 5e's mechanics mm. um, which is maybe not super thrilling given that Renegade has also put out original RPGs like Kids on Bikes and yeah. Icarus and Alice is Missing and Overlight. So it seems that they are, you know, they make original RPGs, but I'm, you know, these are popular licenses. I guess D&D is something that a lot of people know. So they're just... They're cashing in. They're cashing in that sweet sweetness, the sweet nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's the right time to do it, right? It's like this is this is what everyone's about these days. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Power Rangers. <laughs> yep. Go go Power Rangers! I'm always. Da -da 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 -da. 
Yeah, just singing that. <laughs> so it's worth saying, as a, so they'll be coming out from next year onwards, and they've said, uh, so they've obviously licensed these um, like IPs from Hasbro. So they've said uh, there'll be RPGs, there'll be deck building games, um, because <gasps> Renegade also makes Clank. Um, but there's no word on whether they will be based on the same mechanics as Clank or whether they'll just be new kind of deck building games. Um, Very devious of them. No, knowing how much I like Clank and now they're luring me in with the Clank and then I've got to put up with the IP. Uh, but we did actually speak to Elisa Teague, who is the new senior producer over at Renegade. Mm. Um, and she did confirm that they will be continuing to make original RPGs. So this doesn't mean that little projects like Icarus or Alice is Missing or Overlight are going away. It just means that they're making these alongside everything else that they're doing. Uh, she also teased, because uh, I asked about whether they might make a Clank RPG, uh, and she said, nothing's ever out of the question. Um, so who knows? Oh. Maybe one day there'll be a Clank RPG. But it's interesting to see Renegade really kind of... Um, picking up you know mm. big big names big licenses in the rpg space matt jarvis uh see look, i'm gonna be like lolis now i'm gonna put an idea for a game out on the podcast we're just uh, throwing them away we should turn this into a business <laughs> podcast where it's just us throwing ideas it's just an hour and a half of us just like spitballing yeah. yeah yeah um for the clank rpg i think one of the mechanics should be you have to run into a kitchen and try and grab as many pots as you can and then attach them to your body somehow and you have to clank around and whoever makes the loudest clank is the best of that game. That's more of like a dexterity actually, game, right? <laughs> is that how real clank works? Is it about yeah, pots definitely. and pants? Yeah. I've it, never played clank, so this is a genuine question. I feel like I'm misleading you, Lonies. <laughs> <laughs> You do clank in it, but you clank because you've got treasure, not because you've got pots and pans. But uh, the, who the hell has bits of like like a golden statue in their house? Like not me for one. I don't. I do have yeah. pots and pans. So or you know it doesn't have to be your house. You can just go into <laughs> someone else's house and just get their pots and pans. We do not endorse. Uh... <laughs> I have to. Our lawyers asked me to say that Dicebreaker does not endorse stealing pots and pans for any from I anybody's house. I never said you'd steal them. You said you went into someone's house and take pots and pans. Burglaring somebody's house for pots said, and pans. I just said you put them on. You can give them back afterwards. We do have a we do have an a, um, escape ladder thing here, and it does lead to the kitchen. So I could definitely go and. Yeah, also, yeah. also, my house, we have so many pots and pans. You'd be so, so good at it, like I would every win game. every game. Yeah. <laughs> also, a quick question, Mr. Jarvis. Isn't there already a My Little Pony RPG? I'm yeah, like, so there was yes. one that came out a few years ago from River Horse, so a completely different publisher, called Tales of Equestria. Mm. Um, and it's actually pretty good. It's a, it's a really good system. I enjoyed it very yeah. much when I reviewed it. I forgot you were talking about us doing that a while back. Actually, I do remember that now. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly good if you, uh, particularly if you have like younger fans of My Little Pony. It's a really good kind of light set of rules. It's very positive. So you kind of there's a mechanic in there where you share friendship and you can help each other out with friendship because friendship is magic. 
It is. Uh, as... My little pony. <laughs> I don't know if that's how the song goes. <laughs> and you can all, you can make your own pony as well. It was well, in Germany. So there are like there's the equivalent of like D and D's classes, uh, where you can have a variety of different ponies, including Pegasi. Uh, so you can be a flying flying horse. Oh, and you can have the little thing on your butt. Uh, yeah, the... on your rump. Yeah, there your is a word for it. Rump. I was about to say something, and then I wasn't sure if it was actually called that. And now I don't want to say it out loud in case it's something terrible. Oh no, say it! I it does. There is a name for it, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's like a cute, cutie mark. Um, I think I was about to call it a booty mark, and it's, <laughs> it's not that. I mean, it's on the booty. You're not wrong. You can call wrong. it a booty mark. It's a cutie mm, mark. Because it's it's a beauty mark, but on their booty. Mm. It works on so many levels. Mm. And, oh no, I was going to say something <laughs> else. And then I heard myself <laughs> in my head. I was going to say it marks, no, I won't say it. I won't say it. Okay, no, let's... Matt Jarvis, I bet you have a train <laughs> as your cutie mark. A train? Yeah. Yes. Uh... Yeah. If you were My Little Pony, that would be. What would yours be me in? Like, um. Like a like a, a smudge of mud or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, defining characteristic. Dirty, <laughs> <laughs> unclean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mine would be honey. Honey. Mine face. would be a blobby, blobby face. Oh, oh god! Oh no! <laughs> Just a tiny blobby. And happiness out of pony land. Oh yeah, this it's my uh, it's my blobby mark. <laughs> That's like a sign that you've been touched by something evil. Like oh you, 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 you're destined for for evil. You're one of the evil ponies. Over that, or is a blobby mark just like a like a literal yellow, like blob? Like I'm Mr. pink. Blobby. I'm pink, and it's a yellow blob. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, shall we move on, Matt Jarvis? Yeah, let's move on from this nightmare. <laughs> uh, Alex Meehan, tell us about the new game from the Exploding Kittens people. Oh, Matt Jarvis. I'm More so... stellar stuff, I'm sure. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Lowly, straight out of the gate. People like Exploding Kittens. It's... They do like it, yeah. It's, it's not the worst like... game in the world. It's just, no. you know, okay. it does what it does. Mm, it does what it does. It serves um, a purpose. Eh? It serves a purpose. Yeah, okay. exactly. It's better yeah. than Bears versus Babies. Let's put it that way. So, uh, in this game, which is called A Game of Cat and Mouth, ha ha, there you go. There's a little fun. I just want to say, straight huh? off, before I even continue, okay. I, I get that it's a game of cat and mouse, Yeah. but all I can think is foot and mouth. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so, I also I don't... don't love the fact that it's called a game of cat and mouth. I think they should have just called it cat and mouth. Like, yeah. The, the like pun is still there, but more. it's not half as awkward. Mm. But... Well, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make it really grand, like epic. Um, yeah, in this game, it, it it comes in a in a neat little box, uh, and there's a divider. Um, that you put between the two sides of the box and the divider is quite horrific it's a it looks like a cat being continuously sick um 
in uh, rainbow. Which is, yeah, mm. it's not something I would want. I want to I say like that's a, a thing from Exploding Kittens, yes. is the, the cat puking a rainbow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I've seen cats puke before, and it's not good. <laughs> so <laughs> that doesn't sell me on it. But uh, also, it's got these horrible little teeth that you uh, have to try and knock out by sort of flinging balls through this cat's mouth uh, to try and knock the teeth out. Uh, you also you can try and shoot a ball at the ball that serves as its nose. Uh, and essentially, yeah, it's, it's just that. It's just a dexterity game where you fling balls through a um, cat's mouth. And yeah, to two That's players. It, yeah. When I... When they uh, announced it, they, like, I saw that, I think, because they tweeted about it to announce it. um, And they were like, oh, it's magnetic. And I thought, oh, they're doing something like Clask, because Clask is, like, a really interesting game that, you know, uses magnets and you knock balls around. And then this was just like, oh, yeah, the the cat paw just magnetizes to the box and then you use it to catapult things. Yep. So it's a bit like, oh, okay, (laughs) sure. It's the only magnets you get in there, Matt Jarvis. Mm -hmm. It's the only ones you're allowed. Um, yeah, I mean, for what seems like a quite a sizable video, it's it's a lot of the same. Um, just shooting balls for a cat's mouth. Um, it's out now, so you can get it. Uh, there's also a free companion app that you can use to create a tournament mode. Uh, so various players, you know, go head to head against one another. And uh, discover who is the best at shooting balls in a cat's mouth. Wow. I mean, it never gets better, no matter how many times you do it. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> Same I, what it is. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a moment and say none of us have played this yet. And no. although it sounds very simple and it's easy to, you know, take the mick out of it a bit, it might be really fun in practice. Matt um, Jarvis, do not put words in my mouth. I've I've been more than fair, I think. I'm just stating the facts. The facts is what we're here for, but yeah, it's exploding it's kittens. I don't slowly he's been shooting vitriol. <laughs> I speak well, only... the thing is, I've not played this game, but I have played other games by the the makers of this game, and yeah, so... yeah. We were saying this just before the podcast started, Lolis, but they kind of. They very much are sold on the that sounds really fun, and then you play it once, and it's like yeah, yeah, this like yeah. it has a good look because it's the the uh, Matthew Inman who does the oatmeal comics, so they have like a very distinctive kind of strong look. But then when you play them, it's like yeah, this. That's the thing. The games look brilliant. Like I'm sold by the look of the games because they are they're so like everything I love is is in the design of the games, and even like this game. Looks great. I think it looks great, but also, uh, that's just, no. I don't know. I I I mean, I'll you know, I'm open to giving it a chance, but also oh. I can already tell I've played games like this. <laughs> there's, like, there's that. There used to be a game where there was like a monkey, and there was these uh, cups, and you had to like, flick. I don't know how the monkey got involved. Oh yeah. And it's like the same kind of thing, and it was fine, but just gets a bit like unless you're using it as a drinking game or something it's just how how much i mean with kids maybe even but like i don't know 
Hmm. I think Exploding Kittens became, it was aiming for the kind of Cards Against Humanity zone, right? It's like mm. very straightforward, almost a drinking game without saying it. Like very yeah. simple, just a load of people can get around. You don't have to really explain anything. You just Those balls are not going to so. stick around long though. Just going to say that now. <laughs> I know they're Whoa. yellow, but even so, they get lost so easy. Yeah. So easy. Mm. Yes. Well, maybe, I don't know, keep a little bag for them or something. Yeah. Yeah, but during the game, I mean, like, because they get flung around. I suppose, yeah. Maybe not take it to the park or something. Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine hunting for one of those, like, <laughs> among the grass? Yep. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that, that's out now, right? It's, yep. And it's, like, 20 quid. So. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yep, it's, 20 quid. You know, it might be. It's not a lot of money. It's pretty small, it seems, so. Who knows? It could be loads of fun. Uh, let's move on to this next one. Uh, Alex, man, this is number one of yours. Tell us about Hero Clicks. Yeah. yeah, this is my fault. <laughs> I mean, dude, you just report the news. You don't make the news. <laughs> I don't. I don't make the news. No, I just, yeah, I just uh, spread it to the people um, through the medium of dicebreak.com. Uh, this news piece being that the Hero Clicks pre-painted miniatures are getting a makeover. Um, so Hero Clicks, for those who don't know, is a pretty simple miniatures game that's been around for quite a while. Um, I think you've played it, Mr. Jarvis. Yeah, we had. Um, I think Lolis. Did I play a few? We played the WWE one. Um, I've no. played it as well. No, I no, have we played were... it. I we were supposed to, but I never, I never got a chance to play it. Uh, okay, maybe I played it with Wheels and someone else from the office. So yeah, that is that's Hero yeah. Clicks. We so played it. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very much a. It's like a collectible game. You say it's. They've put out a lot of them. There's like mm. Marvel. There's the DC Batman stuff. There's WWE wrestlers. Mm. There are, I think, Star Trek ones around. It's basically yeah. something that is designed to be like we have a brand. Um, let's make let's make these models. Um, but I guess the kind of fun thing is they're all compatible with each other. So you could technically have Batman fighting like Picard, fighting, you know, Batista, um, and you can just kind of throw them together. I'm waiting for the uh, Garfield one. Uh, almost certainly there has yeah. been something close to that at some point. I'm look at it. I'm gonna look it up later, and I'll let you know. Find it. Please do not. <laughs> I will. Um. Yeah, so um, the yeah the miniatures have been kind of um, criticised by people in the past for not being very high quality in terms of the painting. So um, obviously, because they're pre-painted, if you get them, you don't. I mean, you can paint over them if you want, but um, I think they're intended to kind of just come straight out of the box. Uh, but uh, it looks like Whiz Kids. The publisher behind Hero Clicks is attempting to change this uh, with their newest House of X line, which is uh, an X Men themed line of the Hero Clicks miniatures. Uh, and they're like, oh, look how pretty these are. Hopefully, the rest of them will be like this as well in the future. So, they talk about in this big old blog post. Uh, about how uh, the they're going to make them look more visually distinct and more in line with their characters. 
So, for example, on the image of the news piece here, Gambit, I believe that's Gambit, uh, is firing out some cards, as he does. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, also, they'll be using sort of wash and dry brush techniques on them to kind of improve the way they look as well. You know, give them shadows and texture and such. Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah. It's one of those things where the WizKids do like a lot of pre-painted miniatures. Like they did the the newest Fury of Dracula, mm. um, and they do some D and D stuff as well. Uh, and it's long been kind of a running criticism that their stuff is just a bit. It looks a little bit slapdash. Like it looks very much like mm. they are, you know, produced quite cheaply. You know, they're cheap and cheerful essentially. Yeah, um, they look a bit like they've been melted and reformed again. Yeah, the paint jobs are. There are just a tiny bit messy around the lines, that kind of thing. Mm. So it'll be, you know, if this manages to pick up the quality a bit, um, it could kind of redeem that stuff. I've never, you know, they they serve the purpose they serve for me. Like they they look slightly nicer than just blank models, but they're not. I don't think anyone's expecting them to be super, mm. you know, high quality paint jobs. But I guess this it really depends on how this will affect the price because yes, yeah, because at the moment. You know, I get the feeling that they're a bit, they're a for, an affordable option in terms of miniatures games com- compared to the other sort of options on the market. So, for example, this House of X set, a standard booster pack is about 11 quid, which I think you get a few miniatures in that, you know, which I'm not an expert, but that sounds all right, like. I don't know if the quality is going to push up the price. I want to say it might only be one miniature in a booster. I can't oh. remember. It might be that they're changing that for this release, but I, I don't, think maybe the I'm boosters wrong, but... are like single miniatures. Okay. Um, but I don't know for sure. Don't take my word on it. We are not Heroclix experts. No, I'm uh, definitely not. <laughs> but... uh, yeah, that's the... That's the the whole to do. All right. Uh, Shall we quickly whiz through this news, which is also one of yours about terraforming Mars? Uh, yes, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terraforming Mars is getting a book series from Aconite Books. This is the same studio behind the Keyforge and Pandemic novels, which have come out. I think they are coming out next year. Oh, okay. I I thought their first their first books were coming out this year, but maybe those are you, the yeah. You might be right. Legend of the Five Rings one because they're doing like a load of fantasy flight games. Essentially, they're doing Legend of the Five Rings. They're doing um yeah Keyforge. Do they do Arkham Horror files? Yeah, so there have been a couple of Arkham Horror files books already, which I think Fancy Flight put out directly. Mm. Um, But because Aconite is part of Asmodi, which then owns Fancy Flight, I think future ones are coming out through Aconite. I think they've got the Twilight Imperium novel that's coming out next month um, as well, and a few others. So they are they're really going for it. It's like every every brand they can is now a book. They're churning it out. Uh, and now it's now it's terraforming Mars, which is not a fantasy flight uh, game. It's um, Forex Games, Forex Games. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they they've 
obviously done a partnership with Aconite um, to make a, a series of novels based on Terraforming Mars, which is a board game about basically making Mars a habitable place for humanity to live on. And uh, I saw someone commented on this, um, talking about how apparently the board game is based on a series of books called The Mars Trilogy by Kim Stanley Robinson, I think. I don't know how true that is, uh, but apparently there's references in the rulebook to it. And also the Turmoil expansion apparently is inspired, again, I don't know if it's officially, apparently it's been inspired by those series of books. So I think some people are a little bit confused about the fact that now there are books being based on the board game. Yeah, uh, that is weird. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to comment in terms of that, but yeah, I guess the thing here is like terraforming Mars. The the theme is like you say, just let's colonize Mars, and that mm. is a very kind of Broad. stock and trade uh, theme for science fiction for yeah. yonks at this point. So it does yeah. feel a bit weird to just be like, yeah. We're, we're adapting this board game. And it's like, well, kind of what you're doing is putting Speaking. the name Terraforming yeah. Mars on... I'd like Maybe some of the corporations novels. will share names with the Terraforming Mars corporations, but mm. it feels maybe like this could just be any sci-fi story about being on Mars. It's not really... Yeah, I mean, at least with Keyforge, for example. Keyforge, like, the world itself... Obviously, you've got the different hells and things like that. The setting isn't hugely important to the game. Like, it's just a kind of a nice little paint job over things. The art's really good. But I feel like it's got enough potential originality there that they can expand on things that people were intrigued about. And they would read the books to kind of find out more about maybe some of the houses and how they interact and some of the individual characters that the cards are based on. Um, the same with, like, Pandemic. Because... You know the world of pandemic even though again it's not the most original setting in the world it's still like something that isn't based explicitly on anything else whereas like <laughs> the year 2020 suddenly feels <laughs> a lot like pandemic the board game um, but... whereas like like arkham files is a weird example as well where it's like that setting universe is based on the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Like, so, which is a series of books <laughs> and short story. So, it's like a, it's like an inception, like a bookception. But I guess, like, I mean, like, a game can be based on a book, but, like, how much they took from that book is one thing. And then mm. the game itself can obviously, like, spark ideas or, 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 um, stories that are completely different or, mm. or whatever from from the original book that it ste stemmed from mm. um so yeah it'll be interesting to see like i i'm quite intrigued by it actually yeah i think that's kind of my approach as well it's like i'm really curious to see what that is <laughs> because yeah. they're, they're going so hard in on books that it feels like they must really feel like there is a, a thing here you know they've started up this division they are putting out books about every franchise they can really muster yeah. so mm. presumably they think there's enough interest in them to really make this fly so yeah i mean i i've read book adaptations of video games before yeah um 
you know, like they're okay. It depends a lot of it. A lot of the time, the quality does just depend on the author themselves. Um, you know, they're not automatically naff just because of a you know property they're based on. I guess we'll just wait and see. I mean, like terraforming Mars, that kind of setting is not really my cup of tea. Like, I don't find that kind of setting very interesting. Whereas, like Keyforge to me, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued by this because. I feel like it has more potential, but yeah. Hey, Let's start a board game book club. We'll all read <laughs> yeah! one a month and oh, get together. We so should we really should? And like, yeah, and this, we can read the Catan book. Oh yeah, I forgot the oh, Catan yeah. was a book. Can read all the new board game books and oh. then discuss them. Yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> and then we'll have fun little light-hearted japes about it. Uh, in a film, uh, we can discuss the love, the love interests and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be love interests in all of these books. <laughs> right. I've, yeah. I've fallen I mean... in love with Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I mean, that's something I like in books. But I, I would be surprised if it was in any of these. Fifty Shades think... of the Red Planet. If you take the A. Out of Mars, you get misses. Are you um, now imagining <laughs> the terrifying Mars book is going to be a romance novel between a person and a planet? Uh, yes. Yeah, and the the planet is like sentient, and they they fall in love, mm. and then everyone's like, "You can't marry a planet." Turns out there's not only life on Mars, but love on Mars. Oh! That's the tagline. Oh, sell that. <laughs> yes. You've got to sell that now. Yes. Yes. Oh, goodness. All right. Uh, let's finish up this news section with a couple of quick dates um, that might be of interest. With a planet. Speaking of love. <laughs> so we reported a little while back and probably discussed on the podcast that there's a new Descent game on the way, uh, which was originally leaked in a book, uh, no less. Yes. Or in the product description of a book coming out next February. Um, so Descent, uh, obviously the dungeon crawler, uh, which I think the last major edition was 2012. Uh, Journeys in the Dark, but Descent Legends of the Dark uh, has now essentially been confirmed for release next year. Um, and it is being, or it looks like it will be fully revealed on the 22nd of October. So that's in kind of a couple of weeks. Uh, Fancy Flight announced their uh, in flight report stream, uh, I think for Essen Spiel, um, or Spiel Digital as it is now, uh, mm. Essen Spiel not taking place for obvious reasons. Uh, and they said it's it's revealing a, quote, hotly anticipated product line and then added, you probably couldn't guess what this might be. And then included artwork um, that they've previously teased for Descent Legends of the Dark. So Is that meant to be sarcastic? <laughs> I think they're referencing the, the fact it leaked mm. long ahead of time and is I kind of like an open secret at yeah. this point. I mean, you never know with with some publishers sometimes or like tabletop in general. I think sometimes that, <laughs> like, it's very earnest sometimes that makes me chuckle. But yeah, uh, so we'll we'll see whatever that is. Um, they previously said, uh, I think a couple of years ago or last year, uh, the then studio head said that they weren't doing a third edition of Descent: Journeys in the Dark. Um, so presumably, Legends of the Dark will be something a bit different. Um, but I. We just don't know anything at the moment, so 
presumably we'll find out more later this month. Mm. Uh, also, coming out next month, speaking of Catan, uh, which Lodely's mentioned, it is Catan's 25th anniversary this year. Uh, so to celebrate, they're putting out a 25th anniversary edition, which is called exactly that. Um, so they've put out, because Catan's been around for a good long while now, they put out 10th anniversary editions and 15th anniversary editions, which both seemed a little bit more ambitious than this. Uh, so for the 10th anniversary, they put out a big old chest that all the hex tiles were made of wood. Um, it was this, I think it was quite pricey. They only made 5,000 copies of it. It was like a collector's edition. Oh, sorry. The 10th anniversary edition was the, um, all the tiles were 3D and hand painted. Wow. So for fields, it would have actual kind of 3D fields and they all locked together to create an actual kind of like 3D terrain. Yeah, um, I've seen pictures of those, I think. Yeah, uh, and then for the 15th anniversary uh, edition, that was the one that included all of the hex tiles as wood um, rather than the original cardboard. Now, they should have uh, been wood, brick, sheep. Or just I'm... tiny actual sheep. <laughs> yep. Uh, for the, the 25th anniversary edition, uh, which is out on November 6th, it is essentially just the original game, the 5-6 to six player expansion or extension, uh, a scenario called Helpers of Catan, which are kind of like characters you can enlist to help you out with various things. And then some accessories like card sleeves and some iridescent player pieces. Oh. So it's kind of a bit... Meh. It's not... Um, they've also changed one of the player colours to brown. Oh, is that brown. new? I didn't realise that, if that's the case. Yeah, I'm pretty... Well, unless that was in the 5 to 6 player edition, but I don't. Th- I think in the original there, there's no brown. It seems like the, it there's goes... six color, like player colors here. So white, orange, uh... brown, blue, red, green. So oh, it yeah, might be the from the okay. extension. All right, it must be. Because, yeah, I was just going to say white is the one that's missing, but I didn't see it. Mm. Okay. But they have said that the, the player pieces and the dice will be iridescent. So it could be that they've gone for that color in order to make it iridescent. Um, although it seems an odd choice to make brown player pieces iridescent. But yeah. there we go. Uh, but that's that's kind of it. It just it, it it seems more of a bundle than it does like a special, mm. like one off. Um, but it's eighty dollars, um, which is less than buying original Catan and the five to six player extension at RRP. Um, so it it is kind of a saving if you don't already own Catan, which is kind of a a chicken and egg situation i feel because if you're into Catan, you probably already own it yeah. if you're into Catan, you're probably the the kind of person looking to pick up this maybe mm. i feel um, like um you know they they should have just gotten bigger like as the anniversaries gotten you know have gotten yeah it seems longer. like they've gone smaller they've gone yeah they've gone from like the coolest thing to like yeah. an also cool thing but not as cool to yeah. something even less cool not yeah cool. i wonder like made uh, an enormous version. Yeah, giant like Catan. Yeah, yeah. Giant Catan. yeah. I would play Catan in the park. Mm. <laughs> turn up with like a small lorry. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's my Catan lorry. Back it up and then, yeah. It doesn't have to be that much bigger. It just all it would need to be is like the size of like a small, like a a saucer. Each each tile is the size of a oh, saucer. Sure, yeah. That's already like bigger yeah i wonder whether this is a case of them just realizing that 25 years in most people that own Catan probably already own it they've tried yeah but they would buy a giant version though that's exactly why they should do that that's why they should do the enormous one 
Because yeah. then the people who really like the game will buy that and it will probably be priced at something ridiculous. And so. the thing is, they'll play it in the park and then people will come over and go, what are you playing? And they'll go, we're playing Catan. And then the other people will, who don't know about the game will buy the game. So it's like, oh, come on, Catan, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Klaus Tiber, come Catan, on. Catan Studios, you got money on, you're leaving money on the table here right now. We With this podcast, we've come up with like so many ideas. Business like, advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, uh, that's not what they've made. They've made this this bundle, um, and you can you can get it next month, so November the sixth, if if you wanna. Uh, also, coming out next month, we have a release date for the Twilight Imperium expansion, uh, the first expansion for fourth edition of Twilight Imperium, Prophecy of Kings, uh, which will be out on November the twenty seventh. Um, We've kind of chatted about this before because again, like like the other Fantasy Flight big announcement, uh, it was also leaked ahead of its yep. announcement. Um, but it's a hundred dollars, um, which is so Twilight Imperium Four is a hundred and fifty dollars, I think, uh, originally. So it's two thirds of the price almost. Um, but it comes with seven factions. Kind of, it comes with mechs. It's got new tiles. I think it's got like forty new hex tiles to add to the universe map. Um, so they're packing a lot in uh, for the price tag. Uh, and yeah, it, it seems like it's going to add a lot of stuff to the game. You can now play with up to eight people oh if you goodness. feel like spending an entire weekend playing Twilight Imperium. If you want to which... spend the rest of your life playing Twilight Imperium. <laughs> I mean, it's not that dis- Twilight Imperium is a great game. Uh, I'm, not, but... I'm not having a go at the game. I'm just saying if you, if you want to play it for that long. Yeah, it's it's notoriously long to begin with. Yeah. Um. So adding two extra people, although it's worth saying that the the estimated player, uh, the estimated playtime, even, uh, they haven't increased it. So they're just saying, yeah, it will still take about the same amount of time, even with two extra people. Um. So who knows? No, it won't. Um, Don't lie to us. So that, like I say, that will be out on November twenty seventh. It will cost a hundred dollars, which is about eighty quid. Why did you lie? <laughs> Sorry. No, he's just going. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. never got on the rails today. <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right, that is that's news out the way. So let's roll on to emails. Uh, if you've got an email for this here podcast, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker com. You can find us on mm. Twitter at join dicebreaker. We can just find us on dicebreaker.com if you want places. If you want to pay me and Lolis for any of our, our ideas, <laughs> just send an email. Not sure that's how it legally we works. Check. Yeah, send an email to us directly, though, because we can't have the rest of the team knowing. You can just start up your own business podcast. <laughs> the, it's the Alex show, and it's just both of the Alex's talking talking out game ideas. Yeah, I mean it doesn't have to be game ideas, it can be anything. Mm. Anything, anything yeah. you want. Yeah, anything we feel like that's a great idea that we could be paid for. <laughs> that's what it should be called. That's a great idea. Brackets <laughs> that we could be paid for. And it's and the A is is actually it's written with two A's. It's like that's uh because it's Alex oh, and Alex. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, look. Yeah, that is a great idea, Lolis. 
Um, Thank you. Look forward to that. Uh, let's dive in, shall we? Uh, Lolies, would you like to read this one from Chris, please? Mate, I was born for this. <laughs> Chris emails saying, I really want to get into role playing. I listened to Not Another D&D podcast and it's hilarious. However, I have a group of very hesitant people around me. They love board games, but D&D is too far out of their comfort zone. Can you recommend a halfway house, semi-role-playing and semi-board games? Chris. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like there is. There is definitely something. The first game that I'm thinking of, and this is probably not like the best example, but uh, Gloom, the card game is um a card game that um i believe the rules actually like recommend that you do some role playing in it um i've never played it like that i haven't played it much to be fair but um i think that's one game where you could probably kind of get the ball rolling a little bit um Ooh. and just kind of start implementing little bits of role play into into a, what is a pretty simple card game and the cards are very pretty in that game also mm. yeah yeah i didn't Go ahead, Mr. Jarvis. I was just going to say, I, d I didn't remember that from the rulebook for Gloom Ladies, but that I can see that. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe that was just a girl that I knew who wanted to play it like that. Maybe that's maybe I'm t talking yeah. lies here, but it is it is a kind of a bit of a storytelling game because you yeah. do play cards and tell people what happened to your character and stuff like that. So I think it's quite an easy one, even if it's not in the rules specifically. It's one that you can probably bring it in quite easily. Mm. Yeah, for sure. What yeah. were you going to say, Min? I was going to say that there are quite a lot of games that have role-playing elements to them, like Gloomhaven is an obvious choice with the kind of character creation, and, well, sort of uh, development, and you make narrative decisions, and it's this big epic campaign, uh, or games like Eldritch Horror, which I would say have, like, sort of again you improve your character you do become attached to these characters and things happen to them in a narrative sense and you can kind of like use those as stepping stones to role-playing games um there's a role-playing game called zombie world um which is kind of like a hybrid almost between the two where you create characters by drawing cards that kind of have pre-built stuff on them so like who you were before the zombie apocalypse who you are now um and i'm trying to remember what it's called but it's it's like a a sign of secret you have that's part of your character that no one else knows until something triggers it and then you sort of explore the world and when you encounter kind of zombie combat you draw cards along with the zombies so it's kind of like a half and half and i think it's a very accessible way of getting people into into a role-playing game who might be a bit awkward or hesitant with the idea of role-playing because not everyone is comfortable with kind of pre you know pretending to be doing something mm. that isn't just part of the board or part of a card it you know, I was part of this WhatsApp group and they were talking about uh, tabletop role-playing in there and they were like, I just don't know what it is. And I think a lot of it's just coaxing people into the idea of of that 
doing that and also that being okay to do. Yeah. I, I've, think... um, I just had a quick look, by the way. Gloom does say in the rule book, there's a storytelling section where it says oh. um, you can kind of elaborate on what's going on. And, and it says it's not necessary, but it's, it's a, something that you can do. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Like the, I guess it comes down to what's the thing about RPGs that they're interested in. Because if they're looking, if they're interested in the improv side of it, um, but obviously like improvising an entire adventure is maybe a bit much. There's obviously quite a few party games that allow for like a lot of improv. There's stuff mm-hmm. like um, um, The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is like a very quick, very simple party game about making up stories, but you only have to do a few sentences at a time. Um, so if you're just looking to kind of get the improv side going, you know, I think that is a good choice. Like if you're more into the interested in the storytelling kind of dungeon crawling adventure side like mansions of madness kind of handles some of the dm stuff for you so Mm. everyone can play together um i think another one that might actually work is sherlock holmes consulting detective um kind of similar to what you both said where you if you've got a passage to read out you know you can give that to someone and they can do like a voice for a character or they can kind of get into the the theme of it but they're not having to come up with it on the fly which i think is like where a lot of that pressure can um you know end up uh, and is what puts people off of role playing because they feel like they have to be constantly funny or constantly very inventive um Mm. so being able to just have something in front of them and go oh i can read this but i can put my own kind of spin on it Mm. um i think is not a bad way to go if you're just looking at the very kind of uh shallow end i think icarus is another excellent choice like that's a I think that's a really good RPG for bringing people into the idea of role-playing because you're kind of collectively sort of telling the story of this city. You're not, you're not really pretending to be a specific character so much. And, you know, the dice element of it and the cards kind of help encourage, you know, creative thinking and things like that. Um, and uh, Colin Cummings' new RPG. Uh, gosh, help me out here, Matt Jarvis. Is it what called, it Ta- called Tales End? Something like Ta- that. I think it is called Tales End. It's meant to be quite accessible as well, um, particularly to people who've not role played before. So, and it's very cheap as well. So mm-hmm. maybe give that a go. Yeah, I think little one shots like that are mm. probably a good bit. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, shall we move on to this one? Me and would you like to read it from Vernon? Uh, yes, I can do that. At Vernon Tomes, us. Given ongoing restrictions, any suggestions on which board games can be played in person but socially distanced without touching the same components? E.g. Skull, as I can sit apart and flip my own discs. Um, this is quite a tricky one because none of us are experts in... Yeah, contracting yeah, let's, viruses. Let's be upfront and say that, yeah, take this with a pinch of salt because we're not medical experts. Um, and I think actually, to some degree, playing board games in person is probably quite hard because, mm. like, all the pieces will end up going back in the same box anyway, or someone yes. will be handing them out. So there is there's physical contact at some yeah. point. I mean, um, sorry, Matt. Uh, my flatmate and I have been trying to figure out a way around this. Um, 
and we were talking about gloves potentially like you can buy medical gloves i believe at various places like chemists and things like that again take this with a grain of salt i don't know the specifics but i imagine wearing gloves might help or obviously social distancing things like that um yeah because regardless of touching peace and things you're still putting them back in the same box mm. so whoever owns that box I mean, it's why role-playing is possibly a really excellent choice rather than board games. Or games that you can kind of improvise. Uh, or you can or you can have one person who owns it holding all the pieces. Yeah, I think that was where I was coming in on this question and in including it. It's like, are there games that would work remotely if like one person has a copy or if everyone has their own copy? Mm. Um, so the one that came to mind for me was Perudo or Liar's Dice. Uh, which basically if you have a handful of D- like six-sided D6s, dice yeah. and a cup, uh, you can play Prudo because you never have to look at anyone else's pieces. You just keep them to yourself. Um, and so you could play it easily over a webcam um, if everyone just has some dice and cups. Or to be honest, yeah, you're played... rolling them off screen anyway. So I played um, Yeti with my mum like that at the beginning yeah. of lockdown. Um, she just got her own set of dice and... Uh, we would like make sure that the camera was pointing at the roll and stuff, so you know nobody was cheating or anything. But um, <laughs> but that worked quite well. I think um, it's what you're saying about not touching pieces. I'm obviously not a medical expert, but I did read an article a couple of weeks ago where um, uh, by scientists who it was like what they'd learned about the virus and you know since the beginning of lockdown, like six months in, and it it in the article um, they said that. Um, while while like um the the virus can be spread through through like touching objects and stuff um it does seem to be more prevalent that it, prevalent that it um spreads through like actual like breathing stuff mm-hmm. airborne yeah uh, breath yeah so um I think I mean if you're looking to play games while socially distancing there's so many like games that have been put online i mean like code names for example is just one great example of like they've made a free version that you can play online right i think i'm pretty sure it's free um like tts obviously is not free but like it's you can i think you can get a couple of them and it's cheaper or maybe that was just a one-off thing mm. but um i just think there's like board game arena there's so many options for you to be able to and i know it's not the same as playing them on uh you know together or whatever but you've also got the options of what you're saying like pointing a camera and everyone has their own set or somebody has a copy of a game and playing it like that mm. um, co-op games are a great option for that by the way like like pandemic or something <laughs> well maybe not pandemic but it's it's yeah. not the obviously it's not the same because you're not picking up the pieces and doing things yourself but if you just have someone with a copy and then with a camera pointed at it you can just ask them to move pieces or pick things up for you Obviously, mm. depending on how complex and how many components of the game there are, that could change things. But there are ways and means around this, and obviously none of us want to give advice about this because mm. it's a very personal thing as to what you're comfortable with and what you, you know, you're know you okay doing. And I just think follow, yeah, follow your instincts and what you you know obviously listen to professionals and and such and experts i.e not us yeah but, um, i think yeah use your own kind of personal 
what am I comfortable with, what I'm not. Yeah, I think Lolis is right where there are so many options, like particularly mm. now, whether it's like tabletop sim or or even just dedicated apps like Codenames on browser yep. or Root or Wingspan, all of the things that have come to mm. PC recently. Really excellent like video game versions. Yeah, because even like even if you're in the same place, obviously wear a mask, but you're probably going to want to be within distance of the people you're playing with anyway. So at some point, whether you're touching the same stuff and and being in there for potentially up to a few hours. So it's better better to just play it safe. Like there's no, there's no real downside um, in terms of your safety. Uh, And in some ways you'll probably have a better experience because you're not having to find awkward workarounds to not touching or being near each other. So maybe just stick with the digital stuff. Mm. Um, Yes, wear a mask, stay safe out there. Uh, Lolis, let's jump back to you. Would you like to read this one from Charlotte? Hey, Dicebreaker team. I have a GM question for you. How do you manage rules lawyering during your TTRPG sessions? I am newish. I am a newish GM, and whilst I'm mostly up to date with the rules of the games that I GM, mainly D&D but also Blades, I have adopted the theory that if I can't find the answer during a session within 30 seconds or so, I will make a judgement call and look up the actual rule after we've finished. Unfortunately, I have a player who consistently likes to quote the rules to me or follows up with notes after the session. It's really killing my enjoyment for GMing, Charlotte. Take I'm going to say th- that. <laughs> that player is a bad player. Yeah, go <laughs> get out. Of like that's my just game. not nice to do at all. I think actually your your way of giving it 30 seconds is pretty generous. A lot of the time, just improvise or do what feels right. At the end of the day, you're the GM, so kind of what you say goes. And as long as everyone's having fun, it doesn't really matter if you're playing by the exact rules as written, because that often makes it a lot less fun as you're experiencing when someone is being a real stickler. Um, I think you you might be like in a good position to like just at the start of a session be like, look, you know, lay down, lay down what it is you're doing. I don't know if you've done that previously, but say like, look, I don't know. I'm pretty familiar, but if I don't find a rule, this is what I'm going to do and this is the way it's going to be and I'll get it right next time kind of thing or whatever the case may be. And kind of like, so you're not singling them out for being that rules lawyer, but you're kind of making it like obvious to the whole group what your intent is and how this will work because yeah it's i know exactly the kind of person you mean and um i'm sure i could like i've never had it myself but i'm sure it'd be very frustrating to to have someone do that (laughs) i mean you've got tools like dnd beyond which can actually help with searching for rules very quickly like that particularly in a game like dnd 5e where there are loads of little rules for everything but I would definitely judge it in terms of how important is the rule at the time. If it's to do with like a character potentially being revived or, or it's got some serious consequences, then yeah, I think it's worth investigating. But I get the feeling that you're probably already aware of that. Like, I think it's just a sense of intuition. Like, is this a really important thing? Yeah, okay, have a look at it. If Is it not really going to make much of a difference? I would stand your ground and just say, no, I'm not delaying other people's time, making things take even longer just because I need to look this one tiny rules up. Like, it's just not worth it. It ruins the pacing of the game and everyone else suffers for it. So Mm. I think it sounds like you're doing a perfectly good job as it is. And, you know, if they escalate things, then stand your ground, put your foot down. 
Yeah, I think it, as GM or DM, it's you often feel the pressure of like, oh, I'm the one that has to make this enjoyable for everyone mm. else. And sometimes you can forget that it still has to be enjoyable for you. Yeah. You know, you're as important and yeah. you're as much of a player. So if someone is killing that enjoyment for you, like yeah. that is, that's a, something that needs resolving, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are the, the problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Being sending a... notes after a session, not... That That's sucks. just kind of I... rude and... <laughs> I would, that would make me so angry. <laughs> if you're dealing with this in a very patient way, that I'm hats off to you. Mm. Um, believe you me um, and yeah it, being a good player is really important and that can involve a number of things and one of those things is being nice to your DM slash GM and it doesn't sound like this person is doing that so yeah yeah. Uh, alright I'm going to read this one from anonymous law student <gasps> Um who I believe is writing in for the second time, or maybe even more than the second time. But yeah, I recognise the name. Uh, Dear Dicebreaker team, I've been thinking about how hard it is to get everyone together for a session every week. Are there any tabletop RPGs which can support a revolving cast, or can support people missing sessions? I know that Blades in the Dark makes sense for this as a crim- uh, sorry, as a criminal gang when not everyone would always go on heists. Are there any others, or any better at it? So I picked this one partly because... Uh, I recently played Agon, which is by John Harper, who designed Blades in the Dark. And Agon has a really good way of handling people dropping out of sessions, where each session is kind of like a self-contained adventure, because you're all on a ship together. You're these kind of heroes in essentially kind of Greek mythological tales, um, like Odysseus and Hercules and so on, um, or Heracles. And... The way it works is it's very simple to just, if someone misses a session, they just didn't, you know, they didn't leave the ship to come onto that island. And then the next time they come back, they can just be back on the ship and they come on the next adventure. And it's like a really nice way of drop in, drop out role playing. Um, But I think, you know, Blades works nicely that way. It's the kind of thing where you can easily house rule it, you know, just come up, either speak to the, speak to the player, ask them if they have any ideas or just say, hey, they, you know, they hung back this time for whatever reason. Mm. Um, most RPGs are quite flexible like that. Um. Yeah, we we um, me and Johnny and some other people from from the office play Deadlands, um, and that seems to work fairly well. I yeah, think. like I've missed a few sessions, and I'm like we're we have a session tomorrow evening, um, and I I haven't been around for the last two or three sessions. Um, and similarly, like, there's been other people who haven't, you know, who missed other sessions and then just kind of jump back in afterwards. And, like, all that happens is that the guys kind of catch me up on, on what I missed and then mm. I jump straight back in and hunky-dory. Yeah, I think I think you can pretty much do it with any RPG, to be honest. I think it just depends mm. on, like, as long as you make it make sense within the current story and, you know, you can make it specific to that character... So like Loli's character Howdy, I think you've sort of gone off sometimes just because Howdy's a little bit like that, like in terms of they will just sort of go off and have a drink or something, and then just sort of uh, suddenly they'll be there, and then the group is like, "Oh, where have you been?" And it it works within your character, I think, Loli's. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think as long as you kind of make it make sense of in that world, I think you can do it with any RPG, really. Like, um, people have lives, and they're not always going to be around for sessions, and that's fine. And also the characters in the game also have lives and aren't always going to be around. Yeah, sometimes they don't want (laughs) to join the, I don't know, the the hunt that day. They want to (laughs) hang out at the local tavern, I don't know. But um, yeah, like, I think it, it really is worth just making things work around it and being flexible. Hmm. Your character can have a duvet day or two as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, like, it, it's slightly different, I think, in our position where we're recording on camera. And so if a character is missing or someone can't make it, that obviously is the, you know, we have an audience. And so the audience are like, oh, where's, you know, X yeah, or Y? So we. It. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, if you're just playing casually with your friend group, if they know where that someone's away, you don't always need to address it you can just kind of accept it and as long as it like like you were both saying like it doesn't really often impact the gameplay um i too mean it much. depends so how you things just kind of scale difficulty yeah. wise but you can alter that on yeah. the go like um your uh, video about how to run a good tabletop rpg session um covers things like being flexible and um yeah stuff like that so maybe have a watch of that yeah it's kind of similar to the rules question it's like don't don't worry too much about it don't don't sweat the small stuff essentially you're there to have fun Mm. so whatever solution you come up with with the player or as a group or whatever it may be will be the right one Mm. uh but i think that is all the time we have this (gasps) week uh but before we leave you uh, as usual we will look ahead to the week coming and say, what's coming up, Lolies, as oh. representative of the video team this week? What do we have coming up over on youtube.com slash dicebreaker? Quickly runs to Google Drive. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Um, I have no idea because I was off yesterday and I haven't really looked at it today. Um, the By the time this has gone out, we will have played Escape the dark. from the Dark Sector. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'll be our stream for this week. Yes. And also, we'll also have videos going up this weekend. And I'll tell you what those are. Those videos that we have coming up this weekend um, are very secret. <laughs> Matt Jarvis... Do you could you potentially assist in this? Do you? Uh, <laughs> there's another. You're playing Among Us again, right? The video. Oh team. my lord! Yeah, I've completely forgotten. So actually, to, <laughs> today, I think the pot. I think it'll happen before the podcast goes yeah. out. So if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we will have done a stream of Among Us with some of the other channels outside Extra Xbox. Uh, your gamer. Um, on all three, on all three of our channels. <laughs> Um, I think outside extra, outside Xbox, I kind of do get on one of them. Um, and yeah, and, and we'll have it from different perspectives. I'm assuming this week will probably be Johnny's perspective on our side. Um, and yeah, it's it's good. It's it's practically a board game, I tell you. I tell you. <laughs> I've heard that. 
Yes. Mm. All right. Uh, is there anything going up on Saturday, or are we just? Uh... It's super. I actually don't know. There's, um, there's probably something. Just there's the something. Channel. <laughs> Stuff in the pipeline, but I'm unwilling to confirm at this point. Okay, just 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 look at our YouTube channel every yeah. day. Yes. yes. Meanwhile, over on dicebreaker.com, um, by the time this podcast goes out, me and you've written a list of the best horror RPGs uh, to I play have. Halloween. That that is going out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a nice selection on there. So if you're looking for uh, to run a one-shot or uh, start a campaign or even play a solo RPG, um, there's plenty on there for you to look into. And mm-hmm. as someone who is passionate about horror RPGs myself, this is a very fun list to write. So yeah, go, go and have a read of that and get some spooks, spooks mm-hmm. in you. Uh, we also have, from Lowly's, in fact, we have a text version of the How to Play Pandemic uh, guide. So if you are just looking for a rules refresher or kind of have never played Pandemic, you know, because mm. it's still a really good... The original Pandemic is still a good place to jump on to co-op games. Mm. Um, and once you kind of know the basics, you can go on to Pandemic Legacy and one of the many, many, many spin-offs and expansions and sequels oh, yes. and whatnot from there. Many, including um, a spooky one, Mr. Jarvis. In, yeah, including Reign of Cthulhu, mm. uh, which is actually really good. I would go. recommend it. If you're into Pandemic and you like uh, spooky things, Reign of Cthulhu <laughs> is a good one of those. Uh, there's also Rob Wieland wrote a kind of bit of advice on how to make a puzzle in D&D. Uh, so how to come up with kind of puzzles for your players, which mm. I think is a really good guide. He uh, spoke to Elisa Teague, actually, um, because she worked on Tasha's Cauldron of Everything for yes. D&D, uh, which has a number of puzzles in. Mm. Uh, so there's some really good advice there on kind of making making sure that it's interesting without your players just getting stuck on like a, a brain teaser within your session. Mm. Uh, but we will have plenty more in the week to come. I believe we should have some thoughts on Eldritch Horror from you, Mian. Yes. Uh, going up probably next week, so after this podcast is already out. Yes, it, um, expect um, some more spooky things mm-hmm. coming for the months of the spooks, uh, including I've been confirmed on Friday morning, so before this podcast is out, um, there are, we are bringing Dicebreaker Recommends back to Oh yeah, Eurogamer. I thought you were a gamer. Yes, um, our partner site, Eurogamer, lovely people, are hosting our Dicebreaker Recommends series. And for this month, we've chosen Spooky, uh, which is Dread, the RPG, uh, which I very much like. And I've written. Very good. uh, Yes, and I've written an article about why I like it and why it's so good. And you can find that on Eurogamer. I mean, today, it's right there. So just like. Get on there, man. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> read about read about dread. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, and we will, of course, have the usual kind of daily news and more videos next week, and another mm. podcast next Friday. 